Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our broadcast today. Um, man, it's a really cool one. I first want to say thank you to all of our veterans. You know, we've been planning this one out. Um, Matthew Gibbs on our discipleship team, uh, serving just so well in the East Central region, came to us a couple of uh, months ago and said, man, did you know that this falls on this day? And we definitely want to capitalize on, um, on the specialness of today. And so where my head goes today is to say thank you specifically to our Bivo pastors. I want to give them a shout out. So many of them are veterans. So many of them have served. And as I've gone around meeting people, as I'm sure the rest of our team has, uh, we hear so many that have served um, so faithfully in that capacity and now serve faithfully in this capacity. And so today is a special day and we do want to recognize those. And that's not just our Bible pastors, right? We have senior pastors and second chair leaders and people that really understand the act of serving uh, in multiple ways. And so with that, I really want to kick it over to you, Matthew, to introduce our special guest today. Well, thank you so much, PJ. And uh, let me just also say uh, happy Veterans Day to everyone. Thank you guys so much for those of you guys and gals who have served so faithfully our, our country. I have the privilege along with the guy I'm gonna to introduce to you to serve in middle Georgia. We serve in a military town and we have a little saying there every day in middle Georgia is Armed Forces Appreciation Day, but we want to especially say thank you today. Also, I want to introduce to you Dr. Ray Bennett. Uh, Ray, I met Ray at an associational meeting. He is a layman who serves in one of our uh, associational uh, churches in the Rehoboth Association. There was a pastor's uh, luncheon that day, and uh, Ray was invited to share a little bit about some things that he's been involved in as a layman. Now, let me just share with you, Ray served for 10 years as a pastor and then for another 20 years in the Army as a chaplain, uh, retired now, uh, Major Ray Bennett, but he is also Dr. Ray Bennett, and that's what's so interesting to me. After retiring, Ray went back to school and got his doctorate, and I think it's from Liberty. Is that correct, Ray? That's correct, yes. Yeah, he got his doctorate from Ray, but his research is very interesting and some things he's doing with that. Uh, and I, as I sat in that meeting and heard him share a little bit about that, I began to think about our weekly broadcast and what we do and, uh, and the areas of discipleship and disciple making and how we're trying to connect people not only uh, in a deeper walk with God through disciple making, but also connecting them with other disciples relationally so that we encourage one another. The, the word says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another one. And Ray has a unique perspective on that, specifically ministering to and encouraging and discipling uh, people who have been in uh, veterans, people who've served in the military. 
So Ray, what I want to do is just kick this off by uh, asking you a question, and I, I want to I want you to share a little bit about this what we call biblical warrior integration, and it's it's really a form of discipleship, I believe. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you got interested in pursuing this subject of enhancing what I would call relational connections between veterans and civilians in the local church. Well, um, obviously uh, during my 20 years as a chaplain, um, that included about 27 months in Iraq and uh, other deployments um, and also working specifically with uh, you know veterans and soldiers as I was in the army, um, but service members who had gone through combat um, and then uh, taking, you know, helping them come to grips or deal with what they've, what they're experiencing. Um, coming out of uh, the Iraq and Afghanistan war, uh, PTSD obviously uh, was a big buzzword. Um, and uh, as far as service members experiencing that um, and, so that was one of the things that we kind of studied as chaplains so we could help intervene uh, in that area. Um, and so, uh, you know, read a number of things about post-traumatic stress and combat stress and helping uh, soldiers deal with those kind of issues. Um, so when I got out, as I was getting out of the, as of the army, um, then I pursued a doctorate degree, uh, but then I also became a member of a local church. Um, and um, when I was talking to the members of the local church, you know, I would say, "Well, who's a veteran?" And they would say, "Well, so and so over there, I think he was a veteran." I was like, "Well, what branch did they serve in?" I don't know what branch he served in or when they served. I just think I've seen him stand up on Veterans Day. You know what I mean? Um, and so there was not a a lot of people there was you know there were we had a number of veterans in our church but a lot of them were not identified a yeah. lot of them a lot of people could not say well this was a veteran this is where they served this is how it impacted them um so i began to research well how what is the you know where's the connection between uh how do we make a connection yeah. between our veterans and our civilians um a lot of the reasons why people, veterans don't respond, um, you know, is they don't think that what they experience as a veteran is worthy to be brought into the church or talked about in the church house. That's really uh, also, sad. Yeah, exactly. They also, they think that, um, you know, they, there's the whole uh, guarding of, well, we don't want to tell civilians what we experienced either. Um, which is, uh, you know, uh, another obstacle that veterans face across the board. Um, and, and the third thing is that civilians, sometimes they don't really have, have a great appreciation, seemingly. I mean, obviously, when they learn it, they would, but they don't have a great appreciation to what um, veterans have gone through. Um, yeah. it, and it, it's kind of a two-way street because they don't know whether to ask them because veterans don't say anything. Hmm. And then, so that gives the impression that, oh, well, you don't care what I did because uh, you're not asking. Yeah. The and, one yeah. And, I, and I was thinking when you said that, um, Ray, it was like, 
you know, it's like having a big part of your testimony you never get to share. Like, yeah. I just, I've never thought of it that way when it comes to our veterans, you know, because, because I do feel in that way, right? As a civilian, that there are times where I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to ask that question. Like, is that a story you can tell? You know, that's, there's all the stigma that's around so much of it. So I think sometimes we don't ask and we don't dig in, but that does honor. And so like, I would love to learn more about where that line is just personally. Uh, cause, cause I, you know, I have not served. We had people in our extended family that has served, but like, that's not our family core. And so we don't know that rhythm, that cadence. And I'm sure that there are people watching that also, you know, feel the same. And before I have you answer that question about how we, you know, engage in that conversation, I want everybody in the chat to go tag a veteran. You know, there's somebody, you know, right now that we can go honor and appreciate on this day. And I think that'd be a really cool thing. Um, and then that way we could, we could say thank you, but Ray, how, how do you, um, you know, on the civilian side, walk me through how I engage with a veteran in that story. Well, again, it's, it's a two-sided thing. Uh, and one of the things that when I work with veterans is I, I help them vet their story so that they can tell parts of the story that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so the veteran has to kind of process his own story and say, well, this is what I feel like I can share, you know, uh, and because there, well, there's different, you know, levels of communication, there's levels of where you can share, who you can share things with. Um, and so the veteran kind of needs to be aware of those kind of things. We, we probably all run into veterans who share too much. Um, and, and that's not good. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if as a civilian, you know, uh, it, it's always appropriate to say, well, to ask the introductory questions are, when did you serve? What branch did you serve in? You know, and what did you do? Um, again, a lot of times when we think about veterans, uh, we don't think about the, what did you do? Um, yeah. because it's like, oh, you were in the military. Well, that's not a monolithic experience you know uh some people are supply people some people are infantry people it's it's a different you know uh, air force experience is different from an army experience um and so asking those three questions you know when did you serve what branch did you serve in and what did you do um is a big introduction um that then the veteran uh understands you're interested and will feel that they can share what they feel like they could, you know, what, what they feel like they could share uh, in an appropriate way. Hey, Ray, I have a question. Um, you talk about, and you use the term biblical warrior integration. So, and I know we were talking about that and probably some of this will overlap with what we already talked about, but how would you define that idea of, you know, warrior integration? And I know as, as veterans, one of the things, especially those with PTSD and other things, just integrating back into society can be difficult. I've known people who've come come back from deployment who just really intense, you know, war experiences there, and it was really hard for them to be reacclimated re to just society. But then, if we take that another step further and say, okay, how do we reintegrate them into the local church as as fellow believers and 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 followers of Christ? You you have a specific kind of take on that. Can you share a little bit about that? Well, the warrior, the biblical warrior integration, the integration is when you leave uh, either a combat, you know, a deployment uh, and come back 
to the United States or when you leave the service and become a civilian, uh, that then begins the process of integration. Um, and integration is, is blending your military experiences with your new experience, your combat experiences with redeploy, you know, back in the States and are your military experiences with civilian. Um, so uh, that's the integration piece. Um, what we leave off is the, uh, the biblical portion of that. Um, and again, I, as I did research, I found there's a lot of people that talk about, here's steps of integration, helping either, you know, warriors, uh, integrate into civilian life uh, or helping people come back. Here's things they need to think about and think through. Um, but there's not almost was nothing in the literature from a spiritual and biblical perspective of how do we apply this? You know, what is the warrior supposed to do biblically uh, yeah. to process this stuff uh, spiritually? And um, then how does that play out in the church um hey so. on that subject what you're talking about you talk about uh these what you call um let me think of what post-war or post-battle rituals and and there's i think you've identified five of them i'm looking i've got a piece of paper here from when when we talked before when you shared share just briefly a little bit about those and how that connects with this idea of reintegration, reacclimation into society, and how we spiritually, what you're talking about, that spiritual connection there. Share with a little bit about that. Right, and I'll, I'll bring out my uh, cheat sheet too. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, it, it, again, as you, looking at the research, there were people that talked about ancient rituals that other societies performed and did um, that helped them uh, help their warriors uh, integrate back into civilian side. Um, and so I began to research and say, well, what does the Bible say about this um, topic? And with some help of, you know, some literature, there is a few things out there. Um, and then reading through, I identified five, what I called uh, biblical post-war rituals. Now, uh, the thing about Rituals. I mean, the 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 incidents that I'm talking about here. Um, it, the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, puts these things up without much context, right? So we kind of have to, you know, read into the historical context and to, to do, help see what some of the significance is. Um, but the, the five things that are listed, um, first of all, is cleansing and purification. Uh, mm -hmm. In Numbers chapter 31, um, the people of Israel had just fought a battle. They were coming back to, to go back into the camp of Israel and be part, reintegrate with the civilians that had not gone to the battle. Moses and Aaron go out to the army and say, hey, hey, wait, guys, you, you can't come back into the camp right now. Instead, set up a little, you know, set up a camp outside and go through a seven day period of purification and cleansing. Um, and then in Numbers chapter 31, uh, it talks about what was necessary. And that was uh, washing and cleansing and, and washing their equipment 
and washing their bodies. Um, so that one of the, you know, really one of the first things people coming back out of um, either a deployment or coming into civilian life, they need to go through a kind of a process of cleansing of where the, you know, of, of washing and purification um, that's a transition situation, transitional thing. So that's the first uh, one that I identified. Um, the second one is celebration and like processions. Um, you all, we all remember David killed Goliath, right? Yeah. And, and that's First Samuel chapter 17. Well, an interesting thing happens in First Samuel chapter 18, verses six through nine, and that is the army is going into Jerusalem and the women jump up and start singing praises. You remember the phrase, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. Right? Saul didn't like that one too much. He did not, he did not like that, exactly. But the point is that that was a, it, if you read it, when you just first read it, it seems to be this is a spontaneous thing that just happened. But as you read it in context, um, David had not just killed Goliath, but they went on a whole campaign through the campaign season, probably. And when you get to chapter 18, this was a prepared celebration that the people had prepared. Uh, they probably didn't just come up with this spontaneously. Um, and so it was a, but it was a time of celebration where they were celebrating the victory. Um, possibly this was a more regular thing that happened regularly at the end of campaign seasons. Oh, so wow. they would come into the city and the people would be celebrating uh, the victory of, you know, the army. And so uh, that's the next thing is that we need to have times of celebration where we celebrate uh, the, the accomplishments and achievements of, of, of our uh, veterans. Uh, the third I was going to say, I was just going to say that that is a tension point, sure, in the church, you know, like that, that is some of those conversations you have, like, how do we celebrate veterans, you know, appropriately, uh, you know, do it on the platform, do I do it in a video, do I do it, you know, in the hallway, is it a Mother's Day kind of celebration, Father's Day kind of celebration, or is it another, like, I mean, this is a real thing. Um, for, for pastors, I know I've sat in the second chair of my, my whole ministry. And so we sit in these meetings, and we try to orchestrate that in a church context, Ray. And, and then, you know, it is about, oh, it's just such a hard issue. And I'm loving everything you're saying right now. I feel like I, I before we started, you know, we kind of do like a little chat back and forth. And I was like, I'm going to learn something today. We're on point number two. And like, this is awesome. Like I'm, I'm learning so much right now. So I don't I mean to interrupt you with excitement, um, but it is like a, a real conversation on the celebration part of it. And how do we handle that as the, as the church, which I'm derailing the conversation, but keep going or address that if you want to. <laughs> Well, again, frequently, you know, Veterans Day, you have all the veterans stand up and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's a nice thing to do, um, but it really doesn't make the impact that we want, the, it, that we want to have happen. Uh, because, you know, people, you know, depends on the size of your congregation, even with us, a fairly, you know, small size congregation, you know, you got 10, 15 people standing up. Well, okay, that's great, but we don't know those people. You know what I mean? We don't know what they did. 
So we recognize what they did, but we're not really celebrating what they did. I mean, if you notice the passage in Samuel says, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his 10,000. Well, David may not have killed 10,000 people by this point. We don't, we don't really know, you know, but the point is it's, it's an acknowledgement of the, of the service Hmm. that both of those people had performed. So figuring out how to do that in the modern church context, it is a difficult and it is a tension point, but it's something that we need to kind of give our minds to. Um, I'm afraid that there's a lot of folks that never even think about that. So that's what interested me so much when you shared this for the first time with these pastors in our association is, and we're in a military town, so we probably think about it more than most, but some pastors may never think about that. Right. And just having somebody stand up and acknowledge that they were served is okay. That's nice. But again, it, it doesn't really bridge the gap, the relational gap that is that there is between veterans and civilians. Yeah. And it's telling that story. It's discipleship, right? Like that. I mean, that's, that's the difference between what you just said as a, you know, projecting kind of thing and standing up is nice. Um, at all those occasions that we do, but you don't really know a single mom just because she stood up on Mother's Day. You know her because she's in a Bible study group. She got to know them. You've gone to, you've got to know her kids. You've invested in her, and so everybody. I mean, that's watching this has heard me talk about singles, and so I'm relating it to the thing that I that I know pretty well, just like you are. And so if we don't have these veterans as an integrated part of our church, right? They need to be in our discipleship. Um, streams, you know, those watershed streams that we keep talking about, and they need to be serving so that they're telling the story so that they're looking down at Harper, who's uh, my seven-year-old little girl, and being able to tell her the story means so much more than Mr. Bill just standing up in a worship service. So I love where you're going with that. And now we got to like go really quick on the rest of the three, but like, I just really, this is, somebody will orchestrate their Sunday morning differently. And I want somebody to write that in the chat. Like, I hope this sparks a conversation about how we really can honor veterans differently in the in the local church well let me just throw in uh, a quick vignette and uh because of of covid um we weren't able to initiate my dmn project the way i initially wanted to do wanted to and so i took those veterans who were willing and i interviewed them on you know on facebook really um you know on my camera um in my phone and such uh less than you know five minutes they told the significant part is again we had vetted it what they wanted to say they told the significant part of their uh story and we posted those on facebook and they could be posted you know you could run those right before uh, a service or right in the middle of a service and there it just spotlights one of your veterans but it's they tell the story and it's more than just oh there's a person standing up that is so an awesome, again, awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited right now. I want to go do Veterans Day like really well in a church. This is awesome. So again, it's the the thing about these rituals is we have to figure what is the our challenge is how do we apply these in a modern setting? Mm. You know. Um, so again, celebration. The other next one is uh, memorials and monuments. Um, Going back to Numbers 31, verses 48 through 40, uh, 54, um, then uh, I was in a church, and they did it. They had a, a beautiful wall of, uh, of pictures of their veterans, um, 
and it was just a wall. They had a picture and they had the date they served and you could tell what, you know, what branch they served in because uh, they were in uniform. Uh, And it was a great, it was a great memorial or monument to them. Um, The only problem is uh, it was, it was not referred to as much as maybe needed to be. It wasn't updated as much, but uh, you know, how do we, uh, put memorials and a lot of times people will take their own stuff you know and and put their own you know if you certain go into certain rooms they have you know I have a couple of things that remind me of my service that I put out as a memorial so um, and, and I want to say this to Matthew you know because Matthew serves on a, a larger church staff too so every veterans and memorial day I always had a, a pastor remind us of the difference between the days and please don't confuse the significance between those two days. And that is the difference between your second and third point is that there are, there are specific times to do each. And if you blend both of them, you miss both even, even bigger, right, Matthew? So I'm sure you've had that talk on Memorial, Memorial Day, right? What a spark for me, it was a thought I mean, we have one of those. It's a really nice handmade cabinet where we ask people that, you know, if they have family members that are deployed or stuff, we put up information but my thought was, what if I had somebody in my church, maybe a volunteer that was passionate about that, and it was at it was at the front of their mind, where it may not be always be at the front of my mind as a as a ministry leader that could help us make sure, like you said, Ray, that stuff's up to date and and remind us, hey, these dates are coming up. What are we going to do so that we keep it in the forefront of of honoring these men and women and and remembering their sacrifice and and making a big deal about it on a regular basis instead of just having them stand up on. Uh, sing sing that song about all the armed forces on Fourth of July and have them stand up on on Veterans Day and, and say a prayer on Memorial Day. What if it was more a part of what we're doing? So we're we're sparking conversations with people as a result of what we're doing. Exactly, and the we should have made this an hour long broadcast, PJ. <laughs> it's a big it's a big topic. So yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, I, I'm not necessarily tracking the time. So y'all have to keep me in line here, but. Uh, you know, the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day is significant, particularly to veterans. You know, Memorial Day, we remember those who have fallen uh, and who serve. And uh, in Veterans Day, we remember the people, the living veterans who continue to exist, who are who are to be amongst us. Um, and again, frequently churches blend those two things. And it's OK, but it 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 means something to veterans when you make that distinction. Um, so. Uh, as we go on, uh, again, Numbers 31, uh, verses 25 to 47, it, they distributed the booty, okay? In ancient battles, whenever they fought the ancient battle, they brought back everything that they could bring back, you know, coins and gold and extra weapons and, you know, uh, silver and extra sometimes animals and stuff like that. And in on a secular side, the warrior got his own stuff, right? The warrior got his booty and kept it for himself. And that's how we kind of picture things um, functioning in ancient times. But the Bible had a very distinct, in the Bible, and particularly in the Old Testament, there was a very distinct um, method to distribute the things that were came back from battle, not only to the warriors who deserved, to be, you know, rewarded for their service, but also to the community. So when you read Numbers 31, they go through this big formula of so much of it goes to the warriors and they get so much of the 
booty and so much of it goes to the community so that the community is blessed by the warriors um you know by the warriors activities and, and experiences so how do we what does that even mean how do you look at that in in a, in a modern setting well <clears throat> the word that is used is restor, uh, restitution right and how um and basically with the concept is taking the warrior's experience and turning it into a something that can benefit the community um a blessing a blessing to the community blessing Isaiah chapter two, verse four, and I won't go through all of Isaiah chapter two because we don't have time, but verse two is, uh, verse four, Isaiah two, verse four is that famous passage, you beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks, right? We've all heard that, right? But think about it, a sword and a spear, those are expensive items that are only used for war, for protection, okay? but, you know, for war. Um, And to take that expense and transform it into a plow or into a pruning hook, right? So now no longer is the experience, the weapon, the the implement used for war, but now it's going to be used to benefit the society, you know, because in agricultural society, what's the most important thing? Having a plow, having a pruning hook, right? Um, so, uh, and the next ritual is where you take the helping the veteran take their experience that sometimes is very negative, sometimes is very intense, but transform that into an experience that benefits the community, the church, civilians across the board. Uh, that's called restitution, and that's the concept of that comes out of this ritual. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and, and even when you said that, I was thinking like in how it benefits the community, like when we, when we talk about discipleship strategies, you know, how we're going to do mentoring, how we're going to do small groups, large groups. Often it's our veterans that truly understand what it's like to be committed to those strategies. You know, you're going to be there every week. You're going to, you know, they're, they're the ones that maybe do the 4 a.m. hardcore stuff, you know, and PJ's not at those because he sleeps in. And, and so you, you have these, um, we do have these warriors, you know, and to say that out loud and think, you know, I, I sat with a pastor yesterday and he told me, I just don't have any volunteers. I just don't have any volunteers. And you could walk away from this broadcast and start working your list of veterans as core volunteers and say, man, I know you get commitment. Can I hear more about your story? And how do we replicate that experience, which is discipleship, right? We're going to help them with the content. We're going to help them with the biblical knowledge and, and teaching and instilling, but they get the value of teaching the, the next generation um, in this. So when you said that, I thought, well, that is one way that this, this you know, your number four, like translates into that. That's really good. Exactly. And exactly. And that, and again, so many times veterans are like, well, there's nothing that I learned here that I can apply to the church. <laughs> well, that, you know, if you really look at it, there are a lot of things that they can apply, like you said, the commitment, the dedication, um, but also, uh, you know, uh, compassion, because, you know, that's frequently something that comes up, you know, learning the between good and evil is, you know, a harsh thing, but yet something that, uh, that needs to be communicated even in the church. So there's a lot of, of what veterans learned can definitely benefit our community and our churches. And that's 
another post-war biblical, post-war ritual that, and the final one is like war songs. And you look at Judges chapter five, first uh, Samuel chapter 18, second uh, Samuel chapter 22, just a couple. Uh, those are songs where, you know, uh, in the Bible where the warrior gives praise to God for what he did. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the time, you know, you think about, uh, well, let me just say in, in the military, we had a tradition of uh, where uh, there I was, it's called stories in which, and they say that, well, you know, only about 10% of it needs to be true. And, you know, that's where you tell your story of whatever experience, you know, and f frequently humorous, but sometimes dark humor and stuff like that. Um, and so again, a lot of times veterans are like, eh, I can't share this stuff with civilians in my church. They're going to think negatively about me that I did this kind of thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when we look at the biblical, at the war songs and the biblical uh, war stories that come out, uh, we see that they can be used to praise God, even with the negative things that happen, um, can be used to praise God and can to, to reflect God uh, who brings, can bring victory. So um, that, that's the fifth. So the five biblical post-war rituals, cleansing and purification, celebration and pr processions, memorials and monuments, uh, re the distributing of booty, which is restoration, um, and war songs and laments. So, yeah, such a good list, Matthew. I mean, you uh, you nailed it when you got the special guest for today and what we're talking about today. And our show producer, uh, Ray Sullivan, just texted me and um, and he said we have to censor out the word booty. And I said, well, it's in context, and and I don't think he'll say it again. And then you did. So, um, Ma uh, Matthew, <laughs> why don't you <laughs> kind of bring this I home for us? Spoils, you know. So yeah, <laughs> spoils. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew, why don't you bring this home for us? Yeah, I think we, you know, there's there's so much more discussion. Uh, I think we could have, uh, and just for those of you watching the broadcast, we we did have a couple of other questions, but for the sake of time, we'll we'll kind of bypass some of that. Ray, uh, kind of two things I would say, uh, and maybe ask you a question, um, and and it's brought up so many different memories for me just as we've been talking of, of veterans that I've known and men who I didn't even realize were speaking into my life who. You know, one who's gone on to be the Lord now when I was 16, 17, my first job, this guy was a veteran and he spoke into my life and he was a follower of Christ and, and, uh, and just shared with me some of his experiences. And now I, I'm, I'm even more thankful for having had that relationship with, because of the better understanding I have uh, through some of the things that you've shared, Ray. Um, you know, this whole idea of helping veterans to reflect God's work in, in their lives and, and give glory uh, I know that you've done some of this at your church there, Oakland Baptist Church, and like you said, it's, it's a smaller church, but uh, just kind of briefly share a little bit of, 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 you know, what are the outcomes of that ministry for your church, having done some of this with your own church? Yeah, yeah. so um, <clears throat> what I did was um, my plan was to have a session where I sit down with the veterans and talk about these five biblical post-war rituals and help them apply them in their life and then have a dinner with the congregation so they could tell their story. Um, COVID kept us from doing that. 
Um, so what I did was I, um, we did some surveys at the beginning, and then I went in and talked to individual uh, veterans about their experiences and, and, you know, made notes and stuff like that. And then at some point, I, uh, those that wanted to, I made a video, a short video testimonial uh, that we posted on Facebook and uh, our church's public Facebook page. Uh, and they knew it was going to be public. So they, we, again, we vetted what they were going to say uh, so that it was appropriate for all audiences. And, uh, and then people had a chance to watch those. Um, and then at the end, we did an exit survey because again, it was for my DMN project. So we had to do all the surveys. Uh, what we found was that in, in our small church, we had a 30% plus 30 or more active veterans in our church. That was about 20% of our population uh, were veterans. Um, but only about 23% of our congregation could identify five veterans by name at the beginning. Um, and, you know, 65% had not heard any stories or uh, only one story from veterans. So when we did this uh, thing and we posted these uh, videos, um, the, we, the exit survey, like 95% of our congregation could identify at least six veterans. Um, uh, so out of the 30, we only really were able to interview 15. Um, so the, again, that was, uh, you know, that how these kind of things play out. Um, but 95% now could identify six people who are veterans. They could kind of say what branch they served in and how it impacted their lives. 62% uh, had heard at least four of the video stories uh, or more so that now we had that really enhanced the, the relational connectivity between our civilians and our veterans. So our veterans felt more appreciated. They felt like people knew more what they had experienced and went through. Uh, and our civilians had a greater appreciation of the veterans and the contribution that they were making, that they do make uh, to our church. So that's uh, that. And again, what I I would I could see this uh, other churches doing the similar kind of project, uh, whereby we uh, train veterans as and get them the opportunity to tell their story, and then either whether we do it uh, by video or whether we do it in a in a dinner format, uh, they're able to express their experiences to their church in appropriate ways. And so, um, and I think that helps make that connectivity uh, and appreciation between civilians and, and, and veterans. All right, let me respond to this, BJ. I don't know about you, but my head's exploding with ideas right now of things uh, that, that even, you know, with, no matter the size of your church, but let me, let me just share this with you guys. When we're talking about discipleship, and, and connecting people and, and the whole relational aspect of disciple making. And, and you know, it's, it's such a vital part of the disciple making process. And, and I'm thinking about veterans I know and men and women who have shared their stories with me and how much my life and my walk with God and my relationships with them as believers has been enhanced by that relationship. There is a national statistic that was done several years ago, studied that several years ago. Uh, we as pastors sometimes whether you're the lead pastor or another, you know, serve on staff, we like to think that people come to our churches because of us, maybe our personality or our preaching or some great ministry. 
but the study showed that 75% or greater of the people that stay in your church for any length of time are there because of the significant relationships they have with other people. Think about how that applies so much, not only to your civilian people, but also to your veterans and the connections that they are making with other people and enhancing those relationships. So here's what I wanna do, pastor, associate pastor, whoever you are, disciple maker that's watching this video. I wanna connect you with Ray. If you're interested in talking with him more about maybe some ideas of how you can enhance this, what we call warrior integration, uh, veteran integration in your church, getting them more connected, helping your people grow in these relational aspects. So Ray, if you would just briefly share your contact information. Ray is a lay person now, he's retired, but I know this is a passion of his. It would have to be to go back and get a D-min as a retired individual. So just share your contact information for anybody who wants to talk with you more. And we'll also put that uh, in the chat. Okay. Uh, so my first name's Alva. So Alva Ray Bennett, but just call me Ray. Um, and um, my email information, my email is centurion.x and three eyes, I, 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 at outlook.com. Um, so, and phone number would be 706-399-6163. Um, and I, again, I think that some of these concepts, as we figure out how to imply them, you'll use them in a modern church, I think it really enhance uh, our, the relationships and enhance our church, like you said, in discipleship areas and number areas. Absolutely. Dr. Bennett, thank you. Just you have to be the foremost expert on this in the country. And so um, just just absolutely great uh, to do this. Matthew Gibbs uh, serving so well in, in several capacities. Thank you for bringing this important topic to us today. Uh, certainly, we've all learned quite a bit. And uh, I want to say thank you to the cooperative program. Without the cooperative program, this broadcast doesn't happen on a weekly basis. We're so thankful for what you give uh, to Georgia Baptist. And so as, as always, um, be sure to put your name. If you haven't uh, chatted already in there, make sure that you're into, that, into our um, swag giveaway. We always like to give away a little bit of swag on these broadcasts just to say thank you back to our Georgia Baptist um, churches. So with that, um, man, go appreciate uh, a veteran. Uh, when you're done with this broadcast, text somebody, take that extra 60 seconds in your day uh, just to try to make a personal connection and not just rely on standing up on Sunday morning for that. Um, and y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.